0: Welcome to Text Message. I'm Nate Langson, and I'm Ian Morris, and we are starting this show by not talking about the recently released glass oblong—that is the iPhone 6s. Although, don't worry, oblong lovers, we will be coming back to that in our review, which is what's going to take up most of the show this week. Ian and I both in possession of iPhone 6s's, and we're going to discuss that. In a bit, but first, a related piece of UK technology news, which is that Vodafone is going to allow Wi Fi calling with a bunch of phones on its network from uh, the iPhone 5S, I think, or 6 upwards, uh, and some Androids as well. Now, this is a pretty interesting piece of technology because it's allowing you to use your phone's uh, Wi Fi signal exactly as if it was a cellular signal. No apps needed, no configuration on your device's part. Basically, if your phone detects that it is low or has absolutely no signal whatsoever, but you're connected to Wi-Fi, it will use your Wi-Fi instead for calls and texts. Ian, that's accurate so far, right? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Now, the reason this is relevant this week is because Vodafone has announced this, and it's now another network that offers the feature, which is actually a fairly new technology, at least in the UK. EE being the first company to allow it. Now, there are a couple of things that I find interesting about this. The first one is that it's not something that's been made available before, which, frankly, I think is a little bit baffling now I think about the history. This would have saved a lot of 3's network congestion, I believe, uh, at least on my my side of the uh, phone subscription fence. Uh, But also, the other interesting thing is that on Vodafone and EE, I believe, the inclusive calling comes out of your minutes. So it's effectively counting the minutes you spend on your Wi-Fi network as minutes you've spent on its cellular network. Does that strike you as peculiar, Ian? <laughs> um, well, my, yes. And, and But
1: I... It does, it's annoying, isn't it? I mean, it it annoyed me when I found out about it.
0: Most things annoy you when you find out about them, Chief.
1: That's true. But fortunately, I was able to give it a little bit of thought. And I have had conversations with other people like EE before about uh, Wi-Fi calling. And um, whilst it, on the surface, is extremely irritating, I think it's got a lot to do with the fact that when you do make a Wi-Fi call, uh, for security reasons and to make sure that the network you know, is, is treating your call as if it was any other call, it has to pass it through the usual system. So it, it goes through the billing system. Ah. Um, so, that, so that's the point, I think, is, is really that, I mean, as annoying as it sounds for you to be filling in the holes of another network and then paying for it, essentially, but with your own call minutes, um, I think the point is it would actually be very difficult for them to do it any other way. I don't think they could do it any other way. Um, because um basically once it 's on their network as a call, it just appears like any other call.
0: Well, that is very interesting i did not I genuinely did not know that however i 've also got a comeback to my own argument. Would you like to hear it? I would
1: love to hear it.
0: Here it goes. I contacted Vodafone because I thought this was bizarre. They sent me the press release about this Wi-Fi calling feature, and I saw the note about how it comes out of your inclusive minutes, and I emailed Vodafone's spokesperson, and I said, WTF? I used a sentence, not just a single acronym. (laughs) Um, And uh, a spokesperson replied and gave me what I actually think was a very fair answer, and also one that completely gets around the point. It's thus... Wi Fi calling is only available on red value price plans with compatible devices. All red value price plans come with unlimited minutes and would therefore not affect your minute allowance. So, what they've actually done here is launch a feature that causes people like you and I to raise the question of why does this count against my minutes when I'm using my own network? And then said that, well, it doesn't matter because the minutes are unlimited anyway. So what's the point in pointing it out in the first place, thus causing, A, this podcast section to exist, and B, the vexing feeling inside the minds of the customers to which you owe quite a great deal of gratitude? Yeah, and Um, also, why is Wi-Fi calling only available on the Red Value price plan? Well, I don't know because I never got back to him on that point because I thought he's irrelevant for this conversation. But I agree, this is an onion that I feel we have only begun to peel. But ignoring all of that, okay, the the fundamental problem with Wi-Fi calling is that
1: they treat it like it's a bonus for the customer. Um, What it is, is you're paying to fill in their shoddy network. Now, obviously, no one can have complete service.
0: I I disagree on that completely because there are many, many places where it is physically impossible for Vodafone or any network to penetrate with its signal thrust. Not my house. It's not impossible for them to all penetrate right. my house. Maybe not a house, but if your house was, for example, in the basement of an ironclad building, yes, fine. then I, you would not call Vodafone up and say, excuse me, but I want a refund on my contract. Right. Because <laughs> well, I wouldn't call I'm...
1: Vodafone at all because I'm not a Vodafone customer and they'd think it's slightly weird if I did.
0: All right. Well, let's say you were and let's <laughs> say you called them. You would only even be able to call them because they provided service via Wi-Fi into your Ironclad Fort Knox esque basement. Seems so fair. It does seem fair. Well, fairness also comes in the form of journalistic balance and integrity. And on that point, uh, we should point out that 3 and 02 offer not quite as feature rich plans for Wi Fi calling, but they do offer apps that allow yeah. you to use the uh, Wi Fi in your home or office it's or basement rubbish, or prison um, to send calls and texts as if it was from your number, but really that's a stopgap and we should yeah. be expecting all networks to be offering Wi-Fi calling by, you know, well now-ish really, but it, it seems like a, a no-brainer for them all to start offering. Well, um, it's, and- it's a bit difficult, that's the problem, because
1: it's it, it, unlike an app, it requires hardware support. Hmm. So it's actually a little bit more difficult than just saying, oh, yeah, we're going to support that now because you have to, have, I mean, there's only very few phones that do it. The iPhone is one, um, the Samsung Galaxy S6 um, is the is another. Um, so your, your phone base isn't massively flexible, although um, pr- phones from providers tend to do it. So Vodafone's own handsets and EE's handsets will probably all do Wi-Fi calling.
0: That's true. And actually, it's probably worth noting that on, I think, Android and Windows phone, you have to get the phone from the carrier. You can't get an unlocked phone and put a SIM card from your carrier into it and have it work. It has to come from the manufacturer. um, Or at least that's what they tell you. Well, that can't be true. I think it is. I think it is. I I did do my research on this earlier, and I I do remember that being pointed out. Interesting. Well, let us know if you're using Wi-Fi calling on Vodafone or EE. Has it got you out of any trouble? Have you been in an ironclad basement and desperately needed to make a phone call or to send a text message? Let us know. Podcast at nate.langson.com. We'll review your use case scenarios next week. Now, we're going to come to some feedback later on in the show. We didn't have any last week. Uh, well, we actually did have some, but we uh, didn't get around to reading it out. And indeed, there was also one that I forgot we had. And fortunately, that listener wrote in again to point out the, uh, the, my inept qualities as a host uh, and resent his email. So we're going to get to all of those in a bit. But it is time to embark on our iPhone 6S review. So, Android lovers, iPhone haters, Apple haters, it's probably fair to say that um, if you would be annoyed by 10 minutes of discussion about an iPhone, this is your point to switch off (laughs) and listen to something else. The problem is, Nate, that you never get someone like that to switch
1: off because of that. They're going to listen because they're going to get annoyed by it, surely.
0: Well, I don't mind that to an extent, as long as they write in with an argument, because then we can we can discuss it on next week's show, podcast at natelanson.com That's where you can send your hate. Now, let's get going on this. Um, I'm not going to go over reviewing the specs, because I don't want to do a disservice to our listeners' uh, geekish tendencies, because I reckon you all know that it's an iPhone 6S. It's the incremental update to Apple's iPhone line. It is the tock to the tick. <laughs> That is the iPhone 6 and 7 and 8, and it has a 12 megapixel camera up from 8 megapixels. It does 4K video recording. I don't know why I'm going over these. I was basically making the argument that I'm not going to go over the features, and pretty much just did. It's a bump up to the um, internal specs and hardware, um, but the phone physically looks the same. Now, Ian, before we get on to any specifics yeah. of the phone's improvements, because I know we both have points to make... Um, How have you found the phone to use and has anything yet stood out to you and thought I was either expecting to really like that, but I actually don't like it that much or vice versa?
1: Well, I've only had it a day to be honest. Um it, I got it earlier and um I've been playing with it quite extensively, uh, managed to run the battery down, but obviously when you get a new iPhone there's quite a lot of uh waiting to be done, isn't there? Because you have to sync your backup and uh, and I rely quite heavily on that because uh, I've quite quite heavily customized the you know the folders and all that kind of stuff to keep me sane. But um I've actually I've actually found the two big things the 3D touch and the live photos. And I've actually played with both of
0: those and, and really enjoyed them. Um, okay, let's, let's begin with the 3D touch yeah. because live photos is the main point that I wanted to discuss. Cool. So let's start with what will probably be the shorter discussion. 3D touch, this is the ability to press and hold the screen and effectively apple i don't know if apple's described it as sort of like a right click for your phone um, but certainly it's adding an additional way to interact with a single element on the phone so it's rather just tap or tap and hold you can do all those but you can also physically press and it's an analog press so it it the there is an incremental amount of pressure that you can apply to the screen and the screen detects that so um in in some of the demos Apple's given this has been things like instead of tapping to open an app on your home screen you sort of physically pinch like squeeze one of the icons and a contextual menu pops up uh, in the in the case of the camera, it allows you to take a front-facing narcissist photo, or uh, um, or a rear-facing or a slow mo. But uh, what have you found that to be useful for so far, if at all? Well, I have
1: because I've, I've I mean it, the the apps will all support it as an API, so eventually everything will support it. Um, and what I've done is I've I've had a little play with Instagram particularly, um, and I've done that because actually I don't like the Instagram app; I find it fairly difficult to use. Um, and the nice thing about the you know the 3d touches that you can give that home icon a little hard press and then you get a load of options and actually it's a really nice way of interacting with the app um i agree uh, i'm doing it i'm doing it right now well actually so am i i'm I'm just actually um i'm I'm gonna instagram a picture of of my microphone and say um, i'm podcasting with you um because it's actually it, it the the good thing about it is that I find that navigating through apps can be a pain, and you know, as I get older, I can't remember where anything is uh, in the app. So, mate, you're not that old. Well, I know, Jesus, I know, but I've lost focus. That's the problem. I think I just can't be bothered with the trivialities of remembering things anymore. I need my, I want to outsource my remembering to a computer, um, so that when I want to remember something, I just get the computer to tell me what to do. but uh yeah from from my point of view the, the 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 little the few chances I've had to use it, email particularly, or obviously Apple's apps will support it, it's actually exactly what they promised, and it is the sort of thing you would find yourself using. I'll give you a, a comparison, please do, um, because Samsung's got obviously with the edge. Um, And they're the Edge Edge Plus now. Both phones I absolutely love. Um, But they've got the, you know, the Edge thing where you can flick in and you can either call one of your favourite contacts or you can um, quick launch an app. But I never use it. And I think the reason I don't use it is that it's just, it somehow lacks logic for me. I don't know why. Um, I suppose if you were just given the phone, immediately told about that feature and used it instantly from the start, then maybe it would sort of get ingrained in your brain. But the Apple thing, I I think is kind of almost, it, I think because I've used a PC for so long, I, I mean, it's a bit of an irony that isn't it? PCs have right clicks and Apple and Macs don't. Um, but because I'm very used to that right click action, it in my mind this kind of feels a bit like that. So I'm thinking, well, I want I've got I want to use an option, so that's a right click for me. Um, so that works. So perhaps PC users will enjoy using the iPhone more. There's a little scandalous. Idea, for The Although world <laughs> slight,
0: slightly common misconception that Macs don't have a well, right click. They, they do have, for have many right-click. years. Well, they
1: do, but it's not quite the same, is it? Let's and they honest. also have
0: a two finger click. Well, they do. They have a lot of gestures and clicks and things. But that's yeah. not the point. The, the no, it isn't the point. And but your main point um, before before yes. the bit the bit that wasn't wrong um, is, is you're absolutely right. It is that contextual action, but I'm finding so far that it's taking me a little bit of muscle memory to learn that it's a feature at all and if anything, I'm slightly more vexed by the fact that not all the apps do it for example, I'm pressing and holding on TweetBot right now I don't get anything, but I'd like to get either an account switching option or a new tweet option or something, Um, I'm force pressing BBC News, I'm not getting any headlines, I'm force pressing Pocket I'm not getting any items that I saved to discuss on today's show um, what else am I not getting? Let's see. MS, uh, Mess- MSN Messenger. Messenger, not getting anything there. Skype, not getting anything there. So it's taking a while. And, um, you know, I'm not surprised. This is always the case. But I don't know. While I do like the idea, I don't believe that shortcuts from app, from a home screen, is a reason to love this technology. I can't help but feel that the real use for this hasn't yet been implemented. And I want to come up with a couple of suggestions for ways they could use Yeah. Developers can make this better. Number one, better ways to send messages to people. I think you should be able to uh, create rumble patterns with a phone by pressing and holding on the device and then sending a rumble message to someone. No idea what the use would be, but it feels like something that should exist. Morse code? Yeah. (laughs) Next one, um, something in the camera app. And I'm thinking about things like... Um, some sort of progressive zoom, or some sort of selective focus, or um, maybe maybe a way to apply the strength of a filter to a photo. The harder you press, the oh, more intense. Oh, well, that's a good idea. Maybe the contrast is, or something like that. And you can sort of release, press and release uh, with with greater difficulty to sort of. Mm you know, get a feel for where you want your photo to be. Well, that's I mean, kind of like if you draw in the in the notes app, that's kind of
1: like that that works like that, doesn't it? Sort of and you know you can add pressure to the pen and reduce it. Yeah. So that's
0: that's a good point. I think I think that could be quite useful. Um I think that it could be used quite nicely in maps so that um you know you could either Tap to drop a pin, or press and hold to drop a pin, and then immediately share it. Yeah, um, I think it's it's things like that that um, that I'm that I'm keen to see developed more with this technology. But mm. I do like it so well, far. Well, we are at the very very start, aren't we? I mean, you know, yeah, the phone is only just out. The API is new. People are Definitely. learning it. Um, it's brand new. There's some items as well. Like I'd like to be able to go into into playlists, and I. Oh, all right. I'll give it that. I didn't know it did that. I just tried it, and it did. I pressed <laughs> and held on an artist, and it brought up the album list. Oh, well, there you go. As a as a peak preview, and then I clicked in, and now I can listen to Abba Gold. Yeah, um, I think right that, above also, Aborted in my library, which is something you don't see on many phones, I suppose.
1: No, what well, one thing I well, I did find quite good about it was um, I sort of expect I didn't expect it to be quite as good as it is in terms of. It feel you know, you really are pushing through the screen, aren't you? It's kind of... It, mm. You think it might be something you might do by accident, but actually you will never, ever do it by accident. It's completely impossible to trigger that by accident. You have yeah. to very deliberately push in. And again, the same with the next step. So with um, Peak and... Uh, what, what's it called? Peak and... Peak and Pop. Peak, mate. And, peak pop, and Pop. Peak and Pop, sorry. Well, with Peak and Pop, I thought that if perhaps it, it, you'd end up popping it when you wanted a peak, but it doesn't work like that, and it actually is completely slick so you know fair play to them they've managed to they've certainly thought about it and implemented it in a way
0: that i think will be good especially when app developers get on board i agree i agree i think that it's something that's quite alien to some hands to really physically press a screen i do notice that the other day i was showing a colleague this. in fact funnily enough i was showing a colleague this before going on the telly at, at work to demonstrate this feature to said colleague and uh, before we actually went on live Um, she failed at it a couple of times until I said, no, you actually have to press it. And then she went, oh, oh, right. And she got it and then carried on doing it. But it did take that little bit of time to get someone to actually say, you have to physically press the screen down. And it was just interesting that what I was about to show quite naturally to somebody on the TV, um, they did actually need a little bit of not coaching for, but just a little bit of extra prodding in terms of how to do it. So I thought that was quite interesting. It'll take some muscle memory there. Anyway, that is the pressing the screen hard feature. Let's talk about one of the other features, which is the photos move without you touching them feature, also known as live photos. Now, a live photo has been described in a couple of ways. On one hand, on the more excited hand, it's been described as that thing in Harry Potter where the pictures in the newspapers move. And on the other slightly more cynical hand, it's been described as a bit like a video, but not as good. (laughs) Um, I am a little closer to the former In terms of excitement this is a feature that when you take a photo the phone remembers or records which is a digital memory it records one second before the picture that you want to take the frame that you want to take and one second afterwards the effect is that you can press force press force touch whatever the goodness we're calling it touch yeah 3d touch press peak peak i guess and uh, and then the fil- the the video sort of plays it's kind of a low frame rate but very sort of smooth uh almost like a gif actually video of the 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 2 seconds so the frame that is the photograph is actually the very middle frame in this 2 second little scene and it's very very effective and the the other thing and if anything i actually find this even more fun and useful is as you've taken a load of these live photos, let's say you've taken 50 odd photos, which I did at a wedding at the weekend, for um, a friend's wedding. As you scroll through them naturally, just swiping the photos from left to right, it plays the first second, if you like, as you scroll past them. So it stops on the frame that is the photograph. So as you're scrolling through, it's just a, literally just a split second. It must be a, a, a quarter of a second of movement of the photo, and it's... It really makes a very, very interesting difference to how you browse through a photo because you just get that little bit of extra contextual information beforehand and it's really, really difficult to describe um, other than if you can imagine as the photo slides into view, the split second of activity in that photo just as you press the button is is physically moving as the photo slides into view. It's like that. So it just gives this extra level of... um, of movement and memory to the picture. And I thought this was really amazing. And I actually said when I, I went in last week for my uh, sort of demo, if you like, with Apple to go with the phone. And I said to them at the time, I was like, I don't know if you've heard this yet already, but I think this scrolling through feature is actually more exciting than the actual live photo itself where you are pressing and holding to get the activity. I actually really like the way now that as I was swiping through all these wedding photos, I loved how there was that little bit of extra movement for every single photo as I'm swiping through. And a lot of these sorts of features we use and we turn them off and on depending on the use. I don't think I'll ever turn this off. Certainly not unless I know I'm taking loads and loads of photos of which I only want one of. If I'm going away for a weekend or out for an evening, I'm absolutely going to shoot all of them on this live photo mode because it is a much nicer experience when you're swiping through. And the other thing that I noticed is that while you can't press and hold the photos on the iPad currently to activate the, um, the, view, the, the live view, the actual two-second animated bit, as you're swiping through them, it does display that little bit of um, Pre photo motion as you're swiping through the gallery. So it's whether I'm using it on the iPad or on the phone. I haven't checked it on the on the Mac actually, on El Capitan, but I believe it's supported on that too. It is, yeah, yeah. It's just it's adding this extra little bit of memory to the to the photo. But yeah, if you share the photo, it's just sharing a normal JPEG. So I'm a big fan of this, and I have to say that. It's probably my favorite feature of all of them. That and the fact that the camera quality is a lot better. Not necessarily when you're looking at it on the screen, but when you're zooming in or looking at it on a larger screen. Particularly if there are a lot of small objects or a lot of people or different shapes and colors in the picture, you can definitely tell that the camera quality uh, has improved because the resolution is higher, but the detail um, uh, you know, at a full crop is is about the same as it was before. So you're getting a lot more for your money and not just additional... Uh, file size of blur. Yeah, absolutely. Like. So that's a little bit of a, a monologue there, but I have to say, it's generally speaking, I find that the S release in an iPhone cycle, um, it, you know, is is less exciting. I was never really that bothered about Siri. I haven't used it that much. Um, the Touch ID is cool, but not something I got super excited about. <laughs> Lila, Life, is the live I- photos and the better camera and the 4K video recording. Honestly, it, it's it's really good I normally don't find myself saying to people that the year to year upgrade from a six to a six plus in this case uh, six to success six in this case rather um, is worth the upgrade but if you really value photos and video and you like the uh, having a lot of gallery uh, collections that you do browse through all the time I actually have to say I think this is one of the few times that I would recommend someone upgrading from last year's model Mm. to the current year's model Uh, i i really really do
1: well to give you an idea of just exactly how good live photos are I, I've only taken one. Well, actually, I have taken some since. So the, but the first one I took was of my daughter. And it worked so perfectly that I immediately set it as my, um, you know, my unlock screen thing because it's kind of nice and um, that doesn't affect the rest of the phone. Um, mm. And it, it just looks beautiful. It's really good. So um, as long as you've got the right kind of
0: material, you know, kids are good, pets are good, that kind of stuff. You know what, mate? I, I mean, you're saying this. I haven't even tried that yet. Yeah, I haven't even tried that. Okay, let me find one of my girlfriend. There's one. There's one of. uh, There's one of her. I (laughs) am, and it's nice because you you know you
1: okay. Well, of course, the other thing is, and this is actually we actually haven't discussed this, and we should. So while you're doing that, let me let me talk about the uh, touch ID because they've improved it to the extent that it is so ridiculously fast to get into it now that you don't actually see the home screen very much. So uh, because if you unlock your phone from the you know the the touch ID button. It is simply enough to just touch it very lightly for a you know almost a second, and it just get, uh, lets yeah. you in. It's incredible. Um, but of course, if you want to say it, you could just use the power button on the side, so it's not the end of the world. But that is extremely useful having faster
0: touch ID. Well, I have to say I completely agree on the um, the touch ID front. But this this bit of extra animation on my lock screen. I haven't even tried that until we're literally recording right now. And actually, it doesn't seem to work. Oh, it does. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's good, isn't it?
1: I mean, if you've got kids, it, they're the natural thing. Because the, the thing about kids is you want to have photos like these anyway, because fundamentally, they don't stand still. So it's nice to have this, and then you know, and it's it just this little tiny memory that you've got on uh, on the lock screen, Uh, and of course it works for certain kinds of um, you know natural events like their demo is a waterfall, and it's actually brilliant for that. So there are lots of uses for it. I mean, it is ultimately a bit of a silly gimmick in some ways because you know it's not just a photo, but at the same time, anything that you know makes your memories slightly more
0: vivid in terms of what you've got stored on your phone at least is kind of cool, isn't it? i i agree entirely and um i'm really quite impressed with that i i hadn't even thought about it <laughs> yeah but yeah it's nice all right so that's so that's live photo Um 4k video um the quality is excellent. I used again I used it at a wedding and it's very very good the one bonus about using the 4k video even though you haven't got a 4k screen on the phones is that as the videos are playing back you can actually zoom in and out of them and pan around them as if it was a large photograph and that's actually new isn't it is not it? you haven't been able to do that before that's new. That's a new feature. And it's something that could be replicated in software, so I'm hoping that it's supported on older phones, although obviously you need the newer ones to capture the 4K in the first place. But being able to do that is quite cool. If you're making a video of a scene that isn't moving too much and you just want to zoom in on individual parts, there's so much extra resolution there now that you are actually able to um, to zoom in there. So that's quite a neat feature. And generally, I find the phone is does feel a little snappier. I was using the 6.0, Plus before now, and it certainly isn't sluggish, but just, I think s- combined with maybe some of the changes in iOS 9, the, the transition, the unlock, as you mentioned, things just feel very, very snappy. Um, there's no waiting for anything, and um, that always does feel like it's the case with every iPhone release, and yet somehow it ends up feeling faster somehow. I'm not quite sure what that's about, but... Yeah. I noticed that the only well, concerns. I mean, it, it, we should we should do some some things. The batteries
1: are much smaller, aren't they? Now in these two phones, and I think they've they've compensated slightly for that with the A nine processor, which is a bit more power efficient. But I, I've yet to really
0: explore the battery life, so I don't know well, how that's going to uh, turn out. You have, of course, I so. have. I mean, let me think about this. I I woke up at seven a.m. this morning, and we're recording this at nine p.m. I've used my phone, I would say, an average amount throughout the day. Some quite a, a bit of gaming on the commute and emails, podcasts, <laughs> oh, right, okay. things like that. And I'm on 22% remaining. That's pretty good. And it's 9pm. So I am certainly getting through a full day. And I've done I've done quite a lot. I've used probably half the apps on my home screen throughout today at mm. some point, um, including some fairly heavy um, podcasts, uh, sorry, some fairly heavy live photo exploration before we started recording. <laughs> and as well. we've
1: both gone, haven't we from uh, pluses down to regulars, yeah. so we're both compensating mentally for the fact that we do have smaller batteries. So I've yeah. ov- obviously I haven't had a full day yet, and today I've been setting this thing up. So and that is you know that whole uh, iCloud syncing thing really does hammer the battery like you wouldn't believe. So um,
0: once I've charged it tonight and use it tomorrow, I'll have a bit of a clearer picture. But yeah, it's interesting. Well, let's cut it there. Um, let us know your thoughts of the new iPhones. A. These are the these are the key points that we're keen to answer here. Number one, are you getting one of these phones, the, the iPhone six uh, s? Is this going to be your first iPhone? If so, what is it about this model that has persuaded you to take that leap? Number two, are you upgrading from a six to the six plus? In fact, were you planning on doing before you heard the show? And are you definitely? doing so or not doing so now? Uh, And thirdly, do you like what's been announced but you haven't, you've decided that it's not for you and there's not enough? Or any other reason? But there are three that I think are probably quite interesting.
1: But and is anyone... Is anyone jumping? Is anyone going to Android at the moment? Because it's an interesting well, yeah. question. I mean, I, 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 in fact, Apple's just made it very, very easy to switch from Android to iPhone. So it'd be quite interesting to see,
0: um, you know, if anyone's going the other way. But I mm. mean, this is a
1: strong release
0: for I Apple. I think it's it's one of the strongest releases in the S line that they've, they've had. I think the 3GS was pretty pretty significant that was it very quick wasn't it it was very quick and it introduced new sensors into the device as well it's the first one that had the like the digital compass and things so that was very very significant and you know i don't want to discount siri and touch id too heavily but um i have to say i think this is the most significant in terms of what i use on a ver- on a daily basis and would miss since the 3gs um, so let us know. Podcast at natelangson.com or obviously tweeters at text message pod. We don't point that out enough, but we do have that account and we do look for mentions there. Now let's get into a bit of feedback that we've had over the last week or so. And we've picked three that we want to get to. And the first I'm going to read is one that is a response to a very specific question we asked a few weeks ago, staying on the Apple uh, the Apple from. This is from Mark. And first he opens by being very complimentary of the of the show and that he's been listening to our podcasts for a while. So thank you very much, Mark. So he is somebody who is switching from an iPad Air to the iPad Pro. Uh, we asked for some people to give us reasons why they were thinking of that. And he's given us three in quite a lot of detail. Number one, since buying an iPhone 6 Plus last year, he's found that his iPad Air languished unused because the bigger phone was too easy to use for everything else. Um so he only really is using the iPad now for reading magazines and watching movies when traveling. The second thing is screen size, which I'm guessing relates to the um the first point as well. Um but that's obviously a, a big deal. And he says he works uh also in another life i work as a musician and use my ipad for lyrics sheet music when performing the extra screen space will help his eyes when performing in dark rooms that's another reason he wants the ipad pro and the third reason to switch from the air to the pro is power twice as much as the ipad air 2 and the ability to multitask with picture in picture all with less weight than my macbook so he's he's uh, he's generally impressed with that but it's all about screen size and power he hasn't mentioned the this, the pencil, the Apple pencil mm. there. A um, couple of downsides, he says. It seems I missed opportunity to use the Pro moniker and not include some way of accessing an external non-cloud-based storage system. Maybe a lightning to USB-C connector will solve this in future, but it would have been a killer feature to unveil at last week's keynote. I would I would agree with that. Um, he also suggests that iPad Plus would have been more accurate and, to be fair, would also be in keeping with the iPad, uh, the iPhone branding um he pointed out a couple of other things but i thought they were they were really solid reasons um i think particularly the musician aspect because that to me feels like a much more pro use something where the bigger screen has a massive benefit i mean Mm. you could of course mark save yourself a thousand quid and move your head closer to the ipad air (laughs) i don't want to be the guy that points that out but uh i feel i have to to a certain extent because it is an expensive product you haven't bought it yet you could still save some time (laughs) yeah there is Um, that now, we have a, an email here from Kate. Do you want to take this one in? Yes, I can do. Yes. Um,
1: uh, Kate says, just a thought. If uh, is the buy, buy five Kindle tablets, get one free, not aimed at schools and libraries rather than large families. Seems like it could be a good way of getting more children reading, especially from poor backgrounds who can't afford tablets. Uh, I don't think ads would be much of an issue in a public setting like that. And the price would be a primary factor in deciding to buy a load of them. Um, that's an interesting point, isn't it? Um, yeah. I, I, I sort of get the impression that they want to sell a lot of them. And I think um, one of the good things about Amazon is obviously stuff is cheap. And one of the reasons it's cheap is that they, they base that on moving a lot of other stuff. So you you become more into the Amazon ecosystem and you spend a lot more money in it. So I think really that their whole tablet strategy is about making sure people buy um more stuff on amazon and that, i think that's why it's probably aimed at families but yeah actually it's a really good idea for schools um where i the ipad is dominant um because I've, i can tell you that because i've got a kid at school um and and the ipad is just the de facto product um this actually makes a lot of sense um because obviously it's simple cheap um and it
0: will give the kids a lot of what they would get with an ipad so it's an I interesting it's- point I think that is a very interesting point. The one the one question I would have about schools is whether having ads on these devices would actually be in breach of some kind mm. of law against advertising to children interesting or question. privacy. Not that I think that's a major issue, because I do think that the, the bigger deal here is buying five tablets and getting one for free. If you've got, say, 30 children in a school, one of these costs £50, pounds and you get four for free by buying... 20 let's say you know that's saving you 200 pounds per classroom which on current school budgets is not to be sneezed at yeah um kate says ps someone i went to school with posted a facebook status yesterday announcing his separation from his wife and received zero likes but a load of comments perfect use of a dislike button
1: yeah and i understand that the dislike button is probably going to work it's going to be a toggle so you can't have like and dislike on a on a post I think is uh-huh. what uh, well, I, I don't know that for sure, but we were, t- I was talking about it the weekend and um, I think the idea is that it would be in order to keep it so that it, people aren't just disliking things and being, you know, assholes about it. I think the point of the dis- dislike button is that if I post some, uh, you know, a story about, you know, someone's, uh, this guy's been caught being cruel to animals or something. I think the idea is that I would then opt to switch the like for a dislike, um, enabling people to leave their immediate feedback without making it look like they like Animal cruelty. You know what I'm driving at, don't you? So, um, we remain to see how that uh, how that pans out. But that would make more sense, wouldn't it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, thank you, Kate, for that email as well. We've got one more that we're going to get to from Ronnie, who wrote in to a hey, thanks. Uh, Thank us for the show and for having a British take on technology. You're very welcome, Ronnie. And also he wanted to comment on the private browsing and the ad blocking feature introduced uh, recently on iOS and also of course uh, has been in in place for some time on Android he says I use and have used for some time Ghostery for my browsing in Firefox on desktops and notebooks as you are in rightly stated it's difficult to go back to no block that's why I haven't tried Microsoft's Edge browser and Windows 10 that much it's why I don't use much mobile web and frankly that's one reason why I cancelled my cable TV (laughs) as a side effect pages become clean there were no sudden sounds a lot of pesky comments were also blocked YouTube is great with blocking this is by far the superior web experience why should i ever whitelist anything to me ronnie continues this is where sites must innovate and be smart i also think the software itself should inform users that they should whitelist known sites they want to support already when you install it you're informed about the moral aspect i agree i think if anything that's possibly the bit i agree with the most um, out of ronnie's point uh points which is that maybe the ad blockers should be making taking a heavier stance on you know we're morality, blocking this yeah. because there are too many sites out there that have horrible obnoxious privacy invasing, invading invading battery hogging memory cramming happiness destroying <laughs> adverts on their sites And they are the ones that probably should be taught a little lesson by being blocked, perhaps. But there are many, many sites out there, and and I say this as someone who both uses ad blockers, but also does frequently whitelist um, many, many sites. There are sites out there that need to display ads, and their ads are fairly harmless. Um, And certainly, if you're blocking them all and having no whitelist option, then um, you're not even giving the sites who are making an effort an opportunity to uh, win your custom if you want for want of a better word back and i, I think, do agree i think that's, that's it.
1: my point really was it was really that once someone once someone installs an ad block um it it reduces the ads to zero and yeah. there's very little reason for them to turn that off or whitelist a site no matter how much they like it um as a as an aside i um i, I disabled my ad block um after we recorded our show and i've left it off mm. um as a sort of you know Sort of lead by example kind of thing, and would you like to know an interesting fact? Yes, Ian? go on. So did I. Oh, did you really? Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. and I have found the internet to be a much more, a much more unpleasant place ever since. Yeah. but I guess that's the way things get paid for, isn't it? Um, I, I've noticed a lot with YouTube. Um, for example, I, I've now started getting mid-roll adverts on video, which Adblock mm. seems to take care of. Uh, it's only happened a couple of times. Um, but also you, you for, sort of forget how good Adblock is at removing video ads. Um, and so YouTube has become a lot more annoying. Uh, but, you know, I mean, again, there are people who make their living out of YouTube and they, 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 that's the their way they, they earn their salaries. And uh, I kind of feel a bit cruel like take it away from it, especially when i enjoy the content so much you know that mm. I, i've really i've been investing a lot of time in watching youtube stuff recently for a variety of different reasons and um it's good and it's yeah. mostly
0: free and you know that's that should should be
1: rewarded shouldn't it
0: it should. Well, if you have robbed any children from their live streaming income, um, then do let us know your reasons for not caring as much as Ian does. Podcast at natelankson.com. Are you a child feeling robbed? Also let us know. We'll get your message out to those tired old crooks like Ian who are stealing your cash. Well, no, I'm uh, not
1: stealing anything. I'm, I've got my ad block off now.
0: Well, you in debt at least, mate. You're in debt. Yeah. Um, but either way, whatever your stance on the issue, podcast at com is where you can send your feedback. And I must point out, we are approaching 100 five star reviews in wow. iTunes. And that's just in the UK store. I'm not even counting here uh, when I looked earlier on today, the many other countries that I know we have people listening in, such as I know Luke, our Netherlands ambassador, um, has left his great reviews over there. And I know we've got a bunch in Ireland um, recently had some great uh, feedback from some uh, f- fans, if you like, in, uh, in Ireland who've uh, left some great reviews. So um, this is amazing. Uh, th- probably if we include all the countries, we're well over 100 by now. But in terms of the review currency that we're looking at on a daily basis, the UK iTunes store is where we would love you to leave reviews the most and certainly where you have been doing. Um, So incredibly grateful for all those because I've said this before and I say it again, leaving a five-star review in iTunes and a little comment or, or telling a friend or a colleague is more use to us and we're more grateful than if you gave us a PayPal donation or money through the door or anything like that at this point because... You know, that's what's getting us noticed. That's what's keeping us um, motivated about doing the show is seeing these reviews um, because it helps us get noticed in the store and that directly helps us get more listeners and that in itself helps us keep the momentum up in uh, in giving over two or three hours of our week um, to do the show. So um, thank you ever so much to all of those people who've done it so far and hopefully see some more over the coming weeks. But in order to get imbo- involved, you have to send an email to podcast at podcast.nakeleunson.com And we have to wait a week to record another show.
1: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing.